This message was preached as pulpit supply by Jared File. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it is beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Many of us know this verse by heart. Many of us, uh, maybe it was the first verse you ever memorized as a child. <clears throat> it's that verse that the reference is sometimes held up on a banner at a, at a football game or some sporting event. It's one of the favorite verses of many, many, many people. It's for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, may we be a people who have a a humble and contrite spirit who tremble at your word. Lord, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. And Lord, I pray that you would be with me. I pray that you would give me strength. I pray that you would use that you would use me to proclaim your word. Give me grace. In Jesus' name. Amen. We'll look at this verse, this familiar verse. Word by word, for. For. Uh, you know, we, we often, uh, I've always heard, and maybe you have, maybe you haven't heard, but when you're reading the Bible and you see this word for, you have to go back and see what it's there for. You, sometimes you hear it maybe with the therefore, but we do want to look beforehand. It, it's connecting it to what came before. Jesus had had this conversation with Nicodemus. He had had a conversation in which Nicodemus uh, came to him at night and, and he's asking one, how can you get into the kingdom? And Jesus tells him in order to see the kingdom of God, you have to be born Again, and Nicodemus misunderstands him. He says, what? What, what? what should I do? Should I go back into my mother's womb and be born a second time? He, he doesn't understand the spiritual implication. Jesus explains what he means. He, he has to be born of water and the spirit. He has to be born uh, uh, spiritually, have a, a new birth, become a new person. And then Jesus ends this section with with Nicodemus by saying, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus points backward to this story of Moses in the wilderness when the people were, were grumbling and complaining, and the Lord decided to, to send snakes among them. And they would bite the people as a judgment. But then Moses prayed and he interceded for the people of Israel. And he asked them, Lord, save these people that you have redeemed from from Egypt. And Moses was told, build a, a bronze serpent and put it up on a pole. And whoever looks on that serpent will be saved. And Jesus says, even so... In the same way that Moses built that snake, this bronze snake, put it on a serpent. Anybody who looked at that bronze serpent would be saved. In the same way, so must the Son of Man. And that's talking about himself. He's talking about Jesus himself. He uses that language, the the Son of Man term, to describe himself throughout the Gospels. And it points back to Daniel chapter 7. 
where we see the Son of Man who comes before the Ancient of Days in Daniel chapter 7. God the Father, this Son of Man who comes before the Ancient of Days and the Ancient of Days gives to the Son of Man a kingdom and authority and power that will never fade away, will never end. Jesus uses this term to refer to himself. He says the Son of Man must be lifted up. So that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. The people of Israel were dying. They had snakes that were biting them. God gave them a symbol that if they just look on that symbol, you'll be saved. And here Jesus is saying, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. I, Jesus, must be lifted up. He's referring to his death. He's referring to the fact that he was going to be nailed to a cross and anyone who looks to him will be saved. Anyone who believes on him, who looks to Jesus, will have eternal life. So that for and for God so loved the world is pointing back to that. The fact that whoever looks on Jesus, just like those people of Israel were saved when they looked on the bronze serpent. That for is pointing to that. For God so loved the world. For God. Who is God? We throw that term around too loosely. We often think of God as just this generic God. This, this, uh, this God that just pretty much anybody can believe in. Maybe the God of the genie lamp who could just give us whatever we want. The, the God who's like a Santa Claus. But no, this is the God who made the universe. The God from Genesis chapter 1 who spoke and the world came into existence. The God who redeemed His people from out of Egypt. The God who, John chapter 1 says, the Word was with God and the Word was God. And verse 14 says, the Word became flesh dwelt among us. This God who said, let us, plural, make man in our image. This God who was a trinity of persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When we say God as Christians, we have someone in mind we're talking about. It's personal. It's not just some generic God of the philosophers. But it is the God who made everything, who loves us, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It is not just some distant God that is out there. It is not the, the, the pantheist idea of God in which the, everything is God. There's God in this pulpit. There's God in the piano. There's God in everything. That's not the idea of God that we have. We have got an idea of God that is, is personal. He's infinite in power and glory. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. For God, this God so loved, so. He's here giving, uh, uh, in this word so, he's, he's saying this is how much. This is how much loved. 
For God so loved. What does it mean to love? We love a lot of things. We love pizza. We can say, I love my children. I love my wife. I love how beautiful the air is. Well, the world is. God so loved. It means more. Self-sacrificial. It's giving. It's when we love. I mean, think of of uh, Ephesians chapter six. Christ loved the world and gave, or loved his church. He loved his bride and gave himself for her. God loved so much that he, even though he is infinite in all of his power, he is infinite. He didn't need anything, but he loved the world and he was self-sacrificial. He loved the world. For God so loved the world. Who is the world? The same author, John, wrote 1 John. And in 1 John, God, he, he tells us, do not love the world or the things in the world. For the love of the world, I can't remember all of it, but you know, he says, do not love the world. He tells us, so is God saying he does something that we're not supposed to do, but he has two different concepts in mind here. When John says in 1 John, do not love the world, he's talking about this worldly system of, of worldliness. The, the things that drag us down, the things that don't have their mindset on God, but their mindset on the world, the things that we can see and hear and, and touch, but not the spiritual reality of the God that created everything. Instead, he tells us God so loved the world. What does he mean differently by that? But he means the people in the world. He didn't just say, for God so loved the Jews that he sent his only son to die for the Jews. No, he said, for God so loved the world. He loved red, yellow, black, and white. He loved every tribe, every tongue, every nation which will be there worshiping God for all eternity, just like Revelation chapter 5. Every tribe, tongue, and nation. For God so loved the world that He gave. You want to know how much God loved the world? That He gave. He gave Him. It's a gift. When I give you a gift, I don't expect you to pay me something in return. He didn't say, for God so loved the world that He offered the Son available if you buy Him. But He gave the Son. He gave. It was a gift. It was grace. It was freely given. He didn't have to do it. He didn't owe the Son. He gave the Son. For God so loved the world that He gave his only Son. We think of the text that Tom read from. Abraham was asked, 
He was told, he was commanded by God, give me your son. Sacrifice your son. Your only son. The one whom you love. The one who was promised. The one who God had promised Abraham whenever Abraham was 90 years old, had no children, but God said, I'm going to give you a son who's going to, in him, the whole world is going to be blessed. And then God finally gives this son and he's the precious treasure that Abraham has and God tells him, now go kill him. God understood what he was asking Abraham to do because he did the same thing. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Your only son. The one whom you love. Jesus. God said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. His son. Just think in our own terms. There are those of us who have children. I can give a lot of things. I can give of my money, my treasure. I can give the the things that I grow in my garden. I can give things. My son? Oh, ask of me many, many different things, but I could never give my son. I love him too much. And think about the Father and the Son. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. This Son who was perfect. The perfect Son of God who had never one time sinned. Who had always existed. John, the same author in chapter 1 here, tells us in the beginning was the Word. The Son of God. The second person of the Trinity. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. We're getting here back to Trinitarian language here. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have always existed as God. There is a distinction between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, yet they are all three God, fully God. And the Son has existed from all eternity with God. Has always had perfect Fellowship with God. This perfect love between them two. The Father was never disappointed in His Son. They have always existed from all eternity. And yet, for God so loved the world, His creation, that He gave His only Son. That. There's a reason here. He didn't just give him for no reason. He gave him that. Whosoever. Here again, it's not just the Jews, but it's whosoever. It's anyone. It doesn't matter if you're red, yellow, black, white. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you come from a good family. It doesn't matter if you are down in the gutter as a drunk. Whosoever. Whosoever. No conditions on this. But whosoever does what? Believes. 
continues. That whosoever, just imagine what we might put there if it wasn't coming from God. Whosoever, you know, turns over a new leaf and starts to live in a good, godly way. Whosoever says they're sorry. Whosoever checks box X, Y, or Z. Whosoever believes. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness so that whoever looked at that symbol would be saved. So the Son of Man was given so that whosoever believes. It's very simple. It's you look to Jesus in faith. You look to Him. You believe that whenever He died upon the cross, it was for you. It was for you. He gave His only Son for you. Believe that. Embrace that. Trust in that. Throw yourself upon the mercy of the Savior. Whoever believes in Him. Let me back up just a little bit. What does it mean to believe? What does it mean to believe? We often say believe when we think about an intellectual thing. And just, yeah, I believe that one plus one is two. I believe that George Washington was the first president of the United States. I believe these things intellectually. But to believe on Jesus is to trust Him. To trust Him. To believe on Him. It's like uh, an example I've I've heard before is, you know, I, I believe that a chair is going to hold me up if I sit down in it. When we believe in Him, we believe that when we put our trust in Him, we put our faith in Him, He will hold us. We throw all of our weight on Him, on Jesus. Not in our own works, not in our own goodness, not in how just great of a person I am, but we throw all of our weight on Him. We believe on Him. Whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. There are two destinations here. There is perishing, and there is eternal life. Those people that were there in the wilderness, who were being bitten by snakes, they were destined for perishing. They were going to die. They were going to experience death. But we have an even greater ultimate reality of of perishing that awaits those who have not yet believed. Those who have not yet believed, those who have not put their faith in Jesus are headed for an eternity of constant pain, constant torment, conscious eternal pain and condemnation of hell. Those who have not yet put their faith in Jesus, who have not yet heard the Gospel and believed in the Son, are headed 
for a place of eternal perishing where the worm does not die and fire is not quenched. They are headed for a place Some have said that hell is a place where they're eternally separated from God. You know, the psalmist tells us, even if I go to Sheol, you are there. God is everywhere. It is not that we are eternally separated away from God, but the only part of God that we experience is His wrath, ongoing, eternally being poured out, experiencing the wrath of God with no relief forever and ever. That's something we want to escape. And God provided a way. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Live forever. But it's not just a length of time, but it's a quality of eternal life. We all have a soul that will never die. It's not the question of how long It's a question of where are you going to spend that eternity? There's eternal perishing, constant torment, and there's eternal life. Eternal life with Jesus, worshiping before the throne, experiencing peace, experiencing the kind of life that God created us for before the fall. In a new heavens and a new earth where He sets everything right, where He wipes away all of our tears, where He makes everything right and restored to what it should have been. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you believed? It is open. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what kind of sin you may be stuck in. But whosoever believes. Look to Jesus. Lift it up upon the cross, look to Him in faith, trust that He did that for you. If you're here today and you haven't done that yet, look to Him. He will not cast you out. And if you're a believer, this ought to motivate us. This is the greatest news in all the world. That God so loved the world that He gave His Son that whoever believes should not perish but have everlasting life. There's a lot of people out there who are perishing. And we have the remedy. 
Just you know, think of, of movies that have been made about some virus that is out there that is killing massive, massive amounts of people and you've got the antidote and you need to get it to everybody so that they can be saved. Well, well that's what we are in. The world is perishing. We have the remedy. Jesus the Savior has given us life if we just believe on Him. So if you're a believer in here today, let this motivate us to lift up the Savior, to lift Him up, to share the Gospel with those we meet who are perishing because what they need to do is look to Jesus. Peace.